0: Check podcasts. This is Van color. Van color
1: Welcome back to This Is Van Color. My name is Mo Amir, and our featured guest tonight is an iconic journalist broadcaster and news executive. She's anchored several news programs throughout her illustrious 35-year career, including a decade at the helm of Global BC's NewsHour Final. In 2015, she was the first woman to be the news director at Global BC and BC1, a role that expanded to include the oversight of the 980 CKNW radio news team and the Global Okanagan news team in Kelowna. She had a big hand which I'm sure she'll downplay as a little nudge in my media career. She is the incredible Jill Crop. Jill, so nice to see you. Very nice to see you, Mo. And I did just do a little nudge for you. (laughs) (laughs) It was was a big hand, but I'm not going to debate you. Uh, Jill, in in the last few years, we've seen an incredible amount of hatred, abuse, uh, both online and offline towards media as a whole. Now, your youthful exuberance will betray you here, but you've had quite the career in media. You've seen a lot of big changes, so you have great insight into what we're seeing. Is this loud minority of anti media fervor a, a recent phenomenon, or has this always existed?
2: It's interesting, Mo. You know, there's always been uh, a critique or people critical of the news media, mm-hmm. but because um of the times it's obviously now out on a platform online and on all sorts of social platforms where everybody can see it so i think it's grown definitely i wish i was a psychologist or a sociologist because i could probably give you a more informed answer i, I think it is a little bit complicated mm-hmm. i think what we've got happening here let's just say pandemic, everybody's exhausted, they're tired, a lot of people have been stuck at home. And you know how when you're driving in your car, you feel like you're in a cocoon and you're in this safe space. People do weird things in their car while they're driving along because they don't even recognize that everybody else can see them. I think a lot of people are feeling that way. They're in their offices at home, their basements at home, their living rooms at home. Mm -hmm. And so there's this insular feeling, you're on a phone or a laptop, and you're just typing away you'd never walk up to somebody and say, you know what I think of you? Mm, mm, mm.
1: Right. Yeah. And that sort I, of explains the this, online phenomenon, yeah. but we are starting to see reporters, journalists being harassed in real life, offline, you know, and, and culminating into violence sometimes. I mean, that seems to be happening exactly. more, and more doesn't it?
2: You're right. Ottawa was a good example. The uh, freedom trucker, convoy protest, whatever mm-hmm. you want to call it. Um, you know what? I think that's the result of, uh, those people have always existed. I think they're angrier than they have been in the past. I think former US President Donald Trump actually gave them permission to behave like that.
0: Hmm.
2: He was and is the most vile public official I have ever seen. He is rude. He's a bully. He says terrible things about people on camera that get projected all over the place. So if he's allowed to do it, seemingly without getting in trouble well then there's no reason for these other folks not to behave that way I'm appalled at uh, no matter what you think of politicians I'm appalled I see people in my own community with with uh, banners and uh, flags on their trucks saying F Trudeau right. like, what have we gotten to I, I just I really actually think we're gonna look back on this time a few decades from now and see that this was a I hope it was a potential decline in society that we turned around Mm -hmm. rather than the start of this really terrible decline in which this society that we know and love and live in starts to crumble, like literally fall apart.
1: Now, when we talk about this media anger, or backlash, whatever it is, there's almost like a paradox here, right? Like on one hand, as you sort of alluded to, we are more critical than ever about news reporting, narratives, even the representation of voices in media. But then on the other hand, this increasingly loud and toxic, even if they're a minority, they, they seem to be quite media illiterate, you know, lacking the tools to be properly critical in the sense that, you know, I see more and more people willing to label reputable mainstream outlets as fake news, and then treat other outlets that have far less journalistic integrity as gospel. Uh, can you make sense of this? Like, what is happening? happened? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, I really, to be honest, I, I hear you.
2: I, I have, um, like many people, I have family members mm-hmm. who are sending me links to what I consider just crack, kook, wacky stuff. Um, and they're, you know, devouring it. And listen to this, and did you hear this viewpoint? And unfortunately, there is, uh, on the internet, this space where you get um, what's called confirmation bias. Mm -hmm. And so, if one person says something, which the rest, and it's it's even hard to say majority, like you hope it's majority, but I, I almost feel like we're divided into two groups. So, where one group um, believes what the rest of us think is ridiculous, yeah. and then they all swirl around together, and so it becomes their truth. And we all know that the algorithms on the social platforms just continue to feed them more of that information. Um, mm-hmm. And so that even you know firms up their, their beliefs. Uh, I reposted something that was on uh, Instagram the other day that said, it doesn't matter how many of you believe in it, if it's wrong, it's wrong.
0: Mm-hmm. And if
2: no one believes in it, but it's right, it's still right.
0: Yeah.
2: And I think people have lost perspective and focus um, on that. And I think they, they're running with it. And honestly, I, I feel, and this is, I, I really don't want to sound entitled uh, or superior, but I really think, too, education has a lot to do with it. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, the mainstream media, by and large, is fairly liberal, And I don't mean necessarily they vote for liberals, but what I mean is they've been educated, they've had uh, exposure to different subjects, topics, views, beliefs, and so they tend to be liberal. And that makes me understand why people whose views are more conservative start to say, well, Fox News better represents me because Mm -hmm. I don't believe, you know, that mainstream media viewpoint that I'm seeing. I don't believe in abortion. And I, you know, there's sort of things that the mainstream media tends to stick up for uh, that conservatives don't. And so I think that's where that crack
1: starts. So what do we do, Jill? Like, do we just call it out when we see uh, abusive behavior? Or Are there more institutional actions that media, maybe government, maybe social media? I mean, you alluded to this idea of the algorithm, and certainly those algorithms play to outrage us because that creates the the most engagement. You know, Mm -hmm. are there things that institutions can do? Because I think that this is getting worse and worse, and I do hope we turn the corner as you mentioned, but right now, I just don't see that happening.
2: I know. I, like you, am fearful. I really am. Uh, And I worry about people, you know, much younger than I am. I have a 13-year-old son. I worry about his generation and what they're exposed to and what they start to believe. I naively thought uh, we were in a good spot. Um, I naively thought we were moving forward to be anti-discrimination, you know, just uh, all the good things. And obviously, in the last few years, we've been awakened to the fact that we're not, that there are still a lot of People who are racist, bigoted, uh, you know, discriminatory. So uh, I, I sometimes think we're not going to be able to stop at Mo, and we're just going to have to get to a place where okay, that that's the part of the country you live in, and that's the part of the country we live in. Wow, I'm not sure we can. I know, isn't that? it, It scares me. I often when it was happening in the United States because it happened there earlier. Mm-hmm. with Trump in power. I thought so many times, okay, all of you people who hate all of this, who think it's all wrong and all corrupt, let's give you a chunk of the country, anti-vaxxers, just you go live there. And we're we're going to live here. And we'll come check back in on you in a, in a couple of years because my gut tells me you will have cannibalized one another because right. eventually you turn on everybody and we'll be over here moving medicine forward and technology forward and pro-LGBTQ too, you know, yeah. uh, doing what we consider all the good things. Um, it's not that simple, though. We don't get to divide a country or a city into two and say you have your half and we'll have our half. So let's hope we find a way to work together.
1: But it, it sounds like you're saying that if we don't work together, if we don't figure this out, then secession or breaking up is the inevitable end.
2: Maybe I've watched too many movies. Uh, <laughs> you know, I think of, <laughs> I think of, I think it's the Hunger Games, yeah. um, you know, like, I, I mean, look at all the movie stuff that's kind of come true over the mm-hmm. years. Things that were written in the '60s that were like, "Whoa, that's kind of our reality now." Yeah. Um, so I, you know, I'm I'm not certain that our society as a whole. Doesn't end up like that. I'm just, mm. I'm just not. I'm very fearful. In fact, that um, that we that we will because we're. I believe we're at the precipice. Now, I also think you know. You talked about institutions doing something about this. I, I think some of those social platforms were very irresponsible, uh, mm-hmm. and I—I I was, you know, you get so angry at them. Well, oh no, no, we're just the platform. We, we just, we just provide the the space, the stage. That's not our responsibility. Yeah. It's like, uh yeah, you're kind of. An, an information sharer, uh, like, like a news organization. Mm-hmm. And so you have these responsibilities. And so I'm grateful to see now, I just saw something today. I was on Instagram again, and and there was a messaging that said, you know, Hey, this has been proven to be false. So yeah. just so you know, this person's posted it and we've allowed them to, but please know that the way they're phrasing it isn't the reality um, mm-hmm. that it is. And so I think those are the little steps that can be taken. Absolutely. Um, I, yeah. And I think I think news media needs, mainstream news media is taking just a beating. And I have friends on Facebook
0: who
2: whose beliefs are quite opposite from mine. I don't block them. I don't delete them. I don't unfriend them. Because I think if you do that, then the lines of communication are gone. And I think we need to keep those lines of communication open so that there's opportunity for conversation. And perhaps over time, we can get Closer to be, you know having the same views, um, but I, I had one of them take a shot at the mainstream media, and they're posting these memes and mainstream media. Ha ha! Oh, I know what it was. It was it was COVID. No, sorry, Omicron. It was two words, and the way then they did an you know an anagram like and took an the letters o- Omicron. out. Omicron, and, sp- <laughs> and then it spelled right. the letters spelled media control.
1: Oh, and okay. they're
2: like. Oh, it was Omicron and Delta, I think. Okay. Media control, and they're like, "Ha ha! Look at that, people!" Right. And I'm like, "I've worked in the media for thirty, four or five years. We're not that smart.
0: Yeah,
2: <laughs> <laughs> we wouldn't have created Delta and Omicron and go. Oh, we're going to get them, and we're going to get the CDC and everybody else to call it that. Because yeah. really, we got media control. Like they give us far more credit, or they give the media." far more credit than they deserve in terms of, you know, a giant conspiracy theory. And I just put a little sad face. Like, I was the media. The media is not this unnamed faceless conglomerate yeah the media is people who live next door to you people whose kids play sports with your kids people who went to university with you people who've chosen that as a career journalists who really just want to tell stories and and get to the truth and inform people Mm -hmm. and so um, i'm i'm heartbroken over the anger um that's just shot at the media uh, yeah. there's um there's a reporter uh I think he's he's from one of the nighttime shows Jordan and I've forgotten his last name he does the most hilarious stories because he wades right into the midst of this the Ottawa protest he did it in the states at all the Trump events yeah and he shows them up for how uneducated uninformed and unfortunately not all of them but some of them you know ridiculously silly yeah. Um, and it's so good because it reminds me that you're right, that, you know, a lot of these people who cling on to these things, it makes them feel smart and they feel like they have power. That's the other thing about being angry and yelling at the media. It makes you feel like you have power.
0: Mm-hmm. And I
2: think right about now, everybody seems to want to have a healthy dose of indignation. So they feel like they're in control of something Right. because our lives feel really out of
1: control. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I hope so, we turn the corner. I mean, I I don't think this is untenable. At least in the the trend it's going in. We are now in the podcast exclusive part of my chat with Jill Crop. Jill, last time we did a podcast together, you brought champagne. Is that why you're not in the studio? That you you feel obliged <laughs> that you have to bring booze every time you see me. <laughs> No,
2: I, sh- I actually should have poured myself a glass of champagne. Now that I think about it, I love champagne. Um, and thank you for that reminder. That was fun. I, uh, here's the honest truth. I am a little um, more of a homebody. Oh, okay. I-, I really, I will say that two years of COVID has impacted me. <laughs> and I tend to feel more comfortable in my own space. Yeah. Um, I don't think people would identify me um, as an introvert, um, Um, But I'm I'm an extrovert, but I I don't need to be around a lot of people, funnily enough. So, um, I'm honestly, if I can do things from home now, I do. And I'm probably not alone, except I'm alone at home.
1: (laughs) (laughs) No, I can appreciate that. I'm giving you a hard time. I I do want to go back to this discussion that we were having about media. One of the things I wanted to ask you is, you know, in the U.S., we see major networks covering each other, critiquing each other. So Fox news, will talk about CNN and MSNBC. We'll talk about Fox news, but we don't actually see this at least much in Canada. It's almost taboo. It's a big thing when, when one company covers another company, I'm thinking of like the Don Cherry thing, you know, where other companies were, mm-hmm. were, were covering this one where company. you have to. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, but aside from the odd, uh, rarity, it, Is there an unspoken rule in Canadian media where we just don't cover each other, or I should say networks cover each other the same way American networks cover each other?
2: I think so. Certainly when I was involved in the media, we didn't. And I think that's because for the longest time, print was the only place where critique of TV would happen. Mm. Um, You know, newspapers have columnists, and TV didn't used to have columnists it was just straight up, you know, you go back to the Walter Cronkite days, right. or Tony Parsons days, straight up news. Uh, there there wasn't an editorialist. That that actually starts to almost damage your, your news credibility, because mm. that's very typically one-sided. And so there wasn't a history, uh, or there hasn't been a history of TV um, networks taking on each other in Canada. And, and I think for the most part, we we operate differently here in that station owners don't dictate news coverage. Um, right. I, I'm thinking of the Sinclair Group in the States. Mm-hmm. Sinclair Group tells news anchors what to say, which, you know, terrifies me yeah. uh, and and does really any journalist. And so, there isn't, we aren't that far apart in the way we present news for anybody mm-hmm. to, to to kind of want to fight back and say, well, they got it wrong, right. um, you know, or they're doing something wrong or we, or this is ridiculously crazy. And, you know, I, I, we did have for a short time in Canada, uh, a conservative TV station, Sun TV, mm-hmm. and they just didn't last. Yeah, um, But they would have been our equivalent to Fox TV. So had they lasted, um, you might see more of that here because, you know, that's where the, the dichotomy comes, a very different viewpoint being broadcast.
1: I, I want to run an idea by you, and, and and you're the experienced one, So, but it's just an idea that I've noticed, that The Daily Show really was covering different outlets, and it was doing it in this funny way. And I feel like once it started doing that, then you started to see the... The Fox News talk show host, the MSNBC talk show host, CNN, they were almost kind of doing the same media critique as well, but in a much more you know serious way. Mm-hmm. Did, do you think that had an effect, these comedic news shows that we do see a lot of in the United States?
2: Yeah, it probably had some impact. I think the other thing that's important to note, too, is that when CNN first started, it was just meant to be a news wheel 24-7, like mm-hmm. news, 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 because when you work in news or, you know, when I started in the 80s, there was a lot of news that never made local newscasts. We knew about it because we'd get it in the feeds from all around the world, but the local audience wouldn't know about it. So, mm-hmm. you know, there's an abundance of news out there and i think sure. you know that's kind of what kicked off these news channels is hey why don't we cover our whole country instead of just uh, you know in the states new york and la or chicago mm-hmm. and and here toronto or vancouver and 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 i've worked at all news stations what happens is that's hard to sustain that requires a lot of people pumping a lot of news content in yeah. to keep going and so i think what you've seen is talk shows show up on these all news channels. And that's where you get this space where people start speaking more freely, uh, perhaps editorializing more, using their experience as a journalist to surmise what might be happening. Mm. Um, And so, I think that's part of what created that is, is, you know, as you slid away from straight up newscasting. You created space where we need talk and we need to talk about things and so then if if we 're watching Fox, you know if you're mainstream media and you 're watching Fox going, "Oh, know what 's happening over there <laughs> You might comment on it
1: right it's it, it just in general terms for a media culture is is that good or bad and i and I want to take away the idea of necessarily fake news mm-hmm. or things that are agenda driven but just this idea of outlets being able to critique each other's Coverage of things.
2: Well, I, I, you know, altruistically, I I think mainstream media in the states, and if we did it here, they would say we're actually just trying to hold them accountable. You're right. We're we're trying to point out that the the garbage uh, that comes out of a couple of those Fox anchors, um, Tucker Carlson, you know, being the first one who comes to mind, it's it's so blatantly a lie or twisted or wrong mm-hmm. that as journalists we have a responsibility to correct that because you don't want to leave that in the public sphere and they're not going to correct it even if he does do a 360 he never confesses to it it's just like oh I've changed my mind I'm going this way now and everybody goes oh okay
0: yeah <laughs> it's just
2: you know him <laughs> um, so so I don't think it's a bad thing I, you know I think it's it's a It's a good thing to fix the public records, so to speak, because that's what the media is supposed to be, Mm -hmm. you know, public record.
1: Yeah, it's, it's interesting, because I think when they do that, and, and again, I, I don't have a strong opinion on this one way or the other, but I think, you know, if your talk show or a certain show is just obsessed with covering Fox News all the time, at what point are you actually promoting them or providing a gateway to them, right, if you think that they're so bad? And it almost like, it's almost like they're creating this weird self-sustaining economy amongst these different talk shows where they're just covering each other, and that's the news now, as opposed to actually covering what's happening in the world.
2: Yeah. And isn't that sad? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, it really is because it, it's not, you know, it, like you say, if, if they go down the rabbit hole and it's just a back and forth contest, uh, what's the point? Um, right. and, and I don't even know that it draws an audience, you know, uh, obviously audience is important, but I will tell you the average journalist in Canada Isn't creating a story all the day, all day long, because they tend to do a story a day going, oh, this will get me audience. Oh, this is going to bring in the people. Oh, if I tweak this fact, I'll get more. I'll get more eyeballs. They they aren't. So, Yeah. yeah, you know. And sometimes it's, it's for people like yeah. news directors and executives to worry about the eyeballs.
1: Yeah. And, and again, I, I'm certainly not a journalist or a, or a reporter, but I do find sometimes it's just hard to predict what will resonate with people. And you think you've created something that's like, oh, this is the best thing I've ever done. And then suddenly you're saying, oh, you know – the did engage the same way you, you would have liked it and then sometimes you do something that's a, that you think is under the radar and it speaks to a lot of people it's it's hard to
0: yeah.
1: predict but they seem to just be like a and it's a few shows in the u.s that just seem to be in this like fight forever but they're all benefiting because they're they're just covering each other
2: <laughs> i have a solution for you
1: yeah hit me
2: don't watch <laughs>
1: You're right, and I don't, don't but it, it's it's just – and I think it's easy to get into those traps, especially as we've talked about in the TV segment. Social media is angled to outrage you, right? Like they've realized that it's the content that makes you mad that will get the most engagement, keep you on the platforms, and keep you exposed to advertising, right? So it is a very conscious – yeah, no, I, I guess
0: – yeah,
1: I
2: guess – well – who wants to spend their days doing that? And you know, maybe that's the the person who's who who was worked in the news media for more than three decades that I don't have the energy for that anymore. You know, I now don't get me wrong. Uh-uh, news is very important. and I think we're seeing with Ukraine news is more important than ever. Um, I Oh, Ukraine is breaking my heart. I'm of Ukrainian descent, and um, it's it's as it started. I thought, oh gosh, I remember watching the Iran Iraq War start on CNN.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, Low those many years ago. Uh, I didn't think I'd watch it again. You know, and here we are watching it happen in 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 real time. And thank goodness for those crazy brave journalists um, who. Are in Ukraine. Um, there's one woman on CNN who CNN who's clearly fluent in either Russian or Ukrainian and has been there doing just an incredible job. Um, mm. There's a, another fellow on CNN who, I mean, he he stumbled onto Russian troops at one point, you know, and he thought they were Ukrainian. <laughs> they we're already <laughs> Russian <laughs> troops over the line, and he's like, "We thought they were, you know." And and fortunately for him, they just didn't turn and 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 shoot him. They it's it's kind of that old fashioned because you used to just wear your press jacket and and nobody would shoot you and but that's that's disappeared as well there's no guarantee right. anymore that you can have the press label and be safe um, and so I I, I just I, I think if if we weren't seeing those images we might not believe it and certainly for the average Russian they would be believing the garbage Putin is spewing spewing yeah. Putin is spewing excuse me and and um, And so I think, you know, it's really important for journalists to be there and and doing that. Um, And yet I watched CNN and I was actually listening in my car. I have satellite radio and I was listening to it in my car. And I thought, oh, this is now a lot of conjecture. This is a lot of, oh, you're a former military this and a former military that. Mm -hmm. And you do this and do that. And what do you think? And what is this showing us? And I'm like, I'm not sure that's serving the public as as best as it could be, right? because now we've got a lot of conjecture and a lot of people speculating. And speculation, certainly based on experience and history, is a pretty good thing, but it also might not be exactly what's happening. Right. And I don't think necessarily that audience is always thinking that, like, I should take this with a grain of salt. And I think in part, that's where some of the hatred from the, for the media comes from, is that people are like, you've been sending me this diet of, gun. Uh, it's not all true. It's like, you're right. It, maybe it isn't. We, at the moment we gave it to you, we thought it was. And now data's changed. Information, information has changed. Um, and so we've got to update it. But yeah, you know, I, I think you have a couple choices. Don't watch it. Or, or if you have to watch and listen, put, put your own filter to it.
1: Yeah. And and you and I have discussed this in the past as well where I think there's two things happening. One, uh, I, I do think we do, we live in somewhat of a media literate society where where people don't recognize the difference between news reporting and opinion. But at the same time, some outlets, uh, you know, particularly in the U.S., which I think is again great examples, they really blur the line where they'll show you something that is journalism and then it goes right to editorializing. And it can be confusing to to sort of parse those two things out. And so. My question for you is, you know, is media also culpable in pushing out the type of content that riles people up? And and not just looking at American media. I mean, I'm thinking of a certain uh polarizing Canadian national newspaper columnist who seems to be given space just because it gets a ton of hate clip uh hate clicks, right? Like I don't they just seem to be there because they're provocative for the sake of being provocative as as opposed to actually having interesting ideas or, or conversations that I think regular Canadians are having. So, at yeah. what
2: point is no, I agree. culpable? You're,
1: you're bang on. There is culpability for sure.
2: And I think it's as, as the industry has changed from straight journalism to infotainment. <laughs> um, you know, morning shows where sometimes they're giving their their viewpoint. Uh, I had a talk show on BC1 called Unfiltered very much, you know, as a journalist covering stories, but very open to presenting different ideas and putting in some, you know, some of your own personal thoughts on it. Based mm-hmm. on years of experience. And I, you know, I will tell you, I don't, it's funny, you talk about national columnists, and I, I'm embarrassed to say I don't actually know exactly who you're talking about.
1: <laughs> so, <laughs> I don't want to name I
0: them. I don't want to get sued, Jill. I don't. I can think <laughs>
1: of
2: a couple, maybe more, but I, I recognize it. And I, you know, I I don't know that that at its origin, they were put there for the controversial clicks sure. to enrage. Because I... I think that came after. I think they were put there to be thought-provoking, but this rapid response, because people can email or tweet or whatever, that's up the ante. Mm -hmm. Like, this is kind of funny, but, you know, when I started my career and if viewers didn't like me, and honestly, you know, it's, it's hard for women. They don't like your earrings. They don't like your lipstick. Why does your hair do that weird thing? Like, those are literally what my bosses would get written handwritten letters about yeah. why is she wearing her hair behind her ear it looks ridiculous and tell her to stop wearing that color of lipstick and that was at a time where and it wasn't
1: easy just to get on your phone and type something out in two seconds you actually had to you sit actually, down and find and out where you mail it to handwritten. <laughs> yeah.
2: yep letter envelope stamp yeah post box so when you originally ask is this a new phenomenon no it's not right. it's not but they didn't. They didn't. They just wrote and said, you know, and you knew they didn't like you. But they never wrote and, you know, I'm writing to you about anchor so and so. She is a beep 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 beep. You right. know, they they never used expletives to describe you, which which I see now seems to be fine. People are, you know, like I said, f Trudeau. It's like, oh, that that's jarring to me yeah. to see that that they, that they've gotten to that. So, you know, back to the columnist thing. I I think. I I don't think news organizations are afraid of controversy and I, and I think absolutely they want, you know, Hey, look, look how many views you got or lots of people are reading this story. Um, but I, I will tell you, you know, that's good to have those eyeballs, but I will tell you one of the difficult things is do we shut off the comments or not? Mm.
0: Um,
2: you know, because when you allow the comments, you allow a platform to people who can be horrible, uh, racist, bigoted, discriminatory, just foul-mouthed, rude. Um, and and so that's the tricky part because, you know, we used to be really altruistic and want to cover both sides and allow both sides. But definitely in the last five years, I think we found that both sides is almost a bit of um, what's the word I'm looking for? It just isn't really reality. Right. There, there aren't, there aren't two equal sides that deserve you know the space, and that's it's the tricky part.
1: It's interesting you bring up this idea of both sides because we've also been talking about this idea of polarization. So mm-hmm. before maybe where both sides, you know, had a little more uh, middle ground. Sometimes it feels like they're just on living alternate realities. And again, I, I do think, especially on the extreme uh, end, those are still uh, m- they're they're loud voices, but I don't think they represent most people.
2: No, you're right, but I but I wouldn't discredit them. You know, I think mm. I think that's the thing. And and as we talked earlier, I was saying I know people who were proud of the truckers' protest right. and the freedom con- convoy, um, and it breaks my heart that I feel like the Canadian flag has been taken away from us as a as yeah. a, a really awesome thing. And I you know I think you know they've stolen that, that emblem, and they, now it represents that, and I ugh, it, it's crushing. Um, but I, but I understand their anger, and I, and I understand why they don't feel represented so much in mainstream media. Like, I do, I do get it. I don't agree with it, but I, but I can see why they feel that way. And so I think, you know, that it, it it, you're right. Like, there isn't so much two sides, but there's got to be room for them to be okay, to have those beliefs and to be okay in that. To a certain degree, and I think we're just struggling with with what that looks like because, particularly when it you know comes to vaccination, you know those of us who believe in vaccination um, strongly believe in it and don't believe that anti-vaxers sh- should get their way and that they're right. that they're you know should be allowed to not be vaccinated. Um, and so that's where the the trick is, right? I, I want you to I want you to be able to have your own beliefs. I want I, I know that we're not going to believe exactly the same thing, but I think what they've lost is understanding that they don't stand alone. And for the benefit of society, sometimes we all have to do a certain thing.
0: Mm-hmm. And,
2: and this goes back to my, the crumbling of society. I, I see this as a, as a crumbling of society. And that honestly, that's the thing I'm disappointed with about lifespan is I don't know how humanity's story ends.
1: You don't believe in ghosts? You you could be a ghost. I'm not going to make it to
2: the end. <laughs> there's so much more to come after me, and I yeah. won't
1: know it. Well, hopefully, you but, know. I mean, there's a lot yeah. going on in the world. You never know. <laughs> S-
2: seriously, I think it was a couple of days ago. I'm like, oh my gosh, is Putin going to push the button? Like, right? ah! yeah yeah.
0: So
1: I- I'm curious. Do you think we just don't learn enough about? journalism or media or media critique at a grade school level because my my first introduction to source criticism was in a history 12 class and I remember that that stuff just stuck with me and, and it, it made me think about examining every piece of information that I ever took in you know uh, objectivity is it an editorial where what's who's the source what's the expert like it just made me rethink everything and it was so valuable and I don't know if I, if I didn't have that class you know where I would have really pick that up as as fundamentals uh, for the rest of my life. So I just wonder, are, are we under are we under uh, equipping kids in particular when it comes to navigating these really complex media outlets and that includes social media? Two thoughts.
2: Uh, yes, I believe our education system is under equipping kids in many ways. Um, secondly, I think, Question everything is a catch 22 because question everything is why we have people who joined a freedom truckers protest convoy. Mm -hmm. Um, They now question everything, which has turned into, I don't believe anything. I don't believe what the government is telling me. I don't believe what public health is telling me. I don't believe what the media is telling me. So that question everything dangerous. You know, it was created with the, the mindset of, don't just take everything at face value. There are people out there who are going to want to dupe you in an era when the media wasn't in that group, you know, mm-hmm. of, of dupers. It, yeah. You know, it wasn't trying to string you along. And and so, I think, I think that's a big problem now is people and there's a name for it, there are people who are actually not smart enough to know they're not smart. <laughs> it, it, is a, it is a phenomenon. And I should have done better research, because I'd love to, I'll send you the name of what this
1: Please do. Is. But it's,
2: but it's true. Yeah, There are people who are not smart enough to realize they're not smart. Yeah. Uh, and they're, and they're dangerous because of it. And I, and I think that's who we're seeing bubble up to the surface now, uh, and be angry. And I, I mean, I think there's a couple of um, American politicians, um, a couple of women who are proving that daily um, with yeah. their idiocy. Uh, yeah, and I'm shocked that they even got elected. But there are, you know, other people who who are behind them. Um, so yeah, it's, it's kind of tricky. And then, honestly, with education, absolutely, I think kids. There are so many more life skills kids don't walk out of high school with and i'm an mm-hmm. older mom and now that i've got a, a child and I, I i love teachers god bless them i could not do that uh Absolutely, they have yeah. the patience not a knock on yeah, beyond, te- teachers
1: by any means no
2: it's not a knock on te- teachers at all yeah. um and but i i just think sometimes you know we haven't updated or overhauled our system uh, my son took sewing uh, <laughs> sewing um <laughs> who sews anymore like uh, like i get it i took sewing and i actually have a sewing i have two sewing machines at home they're dusty they have never used them in years and and that's great but you can hardly even a find skill. a work store still- <laughs> but really is it like i the, you know to me there are uh, like i think we need to move forward in some of the curriculum um yeah uh, you know and he got I, I think he got a good mark he sewed a really cool pair of shorts but um <laughs> and and More maybe i'm missing the sure. point. Yeah. Yeah, maybe i'm missing the point. Maybe there was a different lesson there that somehow i, I didn't get. Um, maybe it was just about following instructions. But well, um work
1: ethic, patience, you know, being yeah. able to yeah, see yeah. through a project. There's there's definitely there's a real world for applications in sure. what you would learn there. Mm-hmm. I would but
2: i agree with I you like i don't think that we, that I, think that we that I don't that think that we teach kids about saving and mortgages and you know, how to buy a home and, and how to balance money and get, make sure you get groceries as a priority. And then child rearing, like how many people do you see on the internet now? And it's cute. It was the same. It's the same for everybody who has a first child. It's like this whole brand new experience and, and, and you didn't acknowledge it or reference it till it happened to you. And all of a sudden it's the most amazing, crazy, wild ride. And you're like, yeah, but million, you, know, you stop and go, millions of people have done it before me, but you don't come <laughs> out of high school. And there's, they don't actually give you a guidebook when you leave the hospital with a baby. There, there's no manual. And so <laughs> I think in school, th- those are some of the places where instead of learning to sew, you might be better off learning how to change a diaper and how to not endanger a child and, you know, those kinds of things.
0: So. Mm-hmm.
1: I, I want to go back to this idea of, of question everything because I... I I think there is value in that, but maybe a more refined version and question everything, but maybe with the right questions. And so, you know, again, when I talk about source criticism, it's, you know, who is the person that is giving out this information? Uh, Which organization is it? What is, you know, their ethics or or integrity in terms of carrying out research Mm -hmm. or news reporting? Those are good questions. And as long as you're willing to accept things to a certain degree on, on, on face value and have some faith in, in those institutions. I don't think question everything is necessarily wrong. I just think we're probably asking the wrong questions and probably to what you're saying about we are, you know, people who are way off base don't, know, don't recognize that, that maybe they just don't have the tools to be critical in the right way. You know what I mean?
2: I do know what you mean. Uh, I love your moral compass. <laughs> um and, and your intellect because I, I think those are the things that are driving you um when you talk about that. And I will say I, I think journalists before social media were were quite strong at that and understanding that and knowing that. And and I've had occasion where I've had journalists write articles and, and not seasoned journalists, um, and not who you might think, um, but I've worked with people who, who've written, who've been given a little too much journalistic license without the training, hmm. and written articles based on Wikipedia. And when we've said, what's your source? You need to identify your sources. Well, did you want me to put Wikipedia down? And we're like, oh, no, we want you to not write articles based on Wikipedia.
0: Um,
2: and so... I think I think journal journalism is culpable in that space Um, and and the other thing I think is the time constraint when you recognize that reporters hit the ground running at about you know you got to fit it into a work day because everybody kind of works about eight hours you know and if you need it ready for six back that up it that's not seven in the morning right and it's not being interviewing somebody at 8 a.m and so it's a this very condensed process of trying to cover the story, trying to get all the angles, trying to make sure you speak to both sides, um, and then package it all up for the six o'clock news. And, and of course, nowadays, you know, even go on the noon news and give a brief of what you're doing, spit out some tweets, put something on Instagram. Right.
0: The,
2: the pressure to hit all the platforms has really diluted the ability of journalists to do their best work. Mm-hmm. and I'm sure people who used to work for me would be screaming at me right now going but you demanded that <laughs> and and it's true like the pressure is intense and the expectation is high and I and I and I all the people I work with you know are working their hardest and doing their best um, but I think overall we've collectively created this space where it's it gets harder and harder to question everything and examine everything um, and make sure that you're, you know, presenting the the clearest, most concise, correct version of the story and then it, Mm -hmm. so so then it may come out a little muddled and then on the other end for the audience, you know, they receive that and then they have to do their due diligence, so to speak. And I agree with you. I I don't think that's a skill set that people thought anybody but journalists needed and now we see that probably everybody could use a little serving of that. yeah, um, you know, and and you're right. Uh, uh, you know, and I know that it's funny to me, because you bring this up, most times we've had these conversations, you brought this up because I sense that it frustrates you that people don't get you know what it is that I do. They think I should be this and I should be that. And <laughs> why am I not allowed to be in this space here? Um, and i and I think it's because the landscape is muddled. Yeah, and really, at the end of the day, like, who am I to be giving you all these answers? I worked in the news business for a long time. I probably have an inherent bias towards news, you know, and and then my own um, my own life experience, and I am, uh, you know, it's I'm privileged. I'm white. I'm female. I and I didn't struggle, uh, y- you know, the way other people have struggled. Mm-hmm. Um, did I have my own struggles in life? Sure, everybody does. But but I had a, you know, by by the time they opened media to white females, I had a pretty, you know, worked hard, <laughs> but a pretty glorious path. And, and you know, um, we and did, so I bring we, that bias to the la- conversation. Last
1: time we were on the show, we discussed that obviously there were your own systemic challenges. I don't want to uh, completely downplay that. I I just, I think it's interesting that we've lowered the barrier in terms of who can create content, right? And and the barrier has been lowered, not necessarily by society, but just by the way technology functions. And so you just have this inundation of content creators. And I think as consumers of that content, we just lack, and collectively, you know, I'm not saying I'm perfect either, but we just lack... The ability to really wade through, you know, what is sometimes true, and then what is reputable, and and that's created a big challenge. And it, it seems to everything that we've discussed today in terms of vaccine deniers or anti-media protesters or the f Trudeau people. Like, and I'm not saying I'm a fan of Trudeau, but just. The way that that's yeah, I, I know
2: you don't have to be, but yeah, you don't yeah. have to say F. Trudeau." <laughs> you
1: don't have to have it on a bumper sticker on your car. Like no. that's
0: <laughs> well, that's It, the it just seems like, to stem isn't...
1: from this issue, right? Of of us being unable to really filter information and, or ask the right questions.
2: So it's interesting, though, because isn't this what we wanted? Didn't we want people to have more access to the airwaves? Didn't we want to stop having which at one point was middle-aged white males from from only having access to this platform where you could espouse views and share information. So you said lowering the bar, and I think that's really interesting because I wouldn't necessarily say that the bar was only lowered. Uh, I I think of it as the doors swung wide
1: open. Right. I, I don't mean so, lowering the bar. I, I, I must have meant uh, lowering know, I know. the barriers to entry.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And and a few years ago, the CRTC decided that Shaw, and I'm sure in other cities, no longer had to have cable um, stations, local public cable stations, because that for a very long time was the only way anybody other than mainstream media got on the airwaves. And that was mm-hmm. the sole purpose of, of, say, Shaw's cable channel. Right. Um, yeah. That was it. And it was, it was an understanding by the CRTC that there may be more people out there who have more interesting and informative things to say, and we better create a space for them to be able to do that mm-hmm. because they don't get into mainstream news. They are not journalists. They don't get on that. And because of the way the internet and, and the web has opened up, the barrier has lowered, widened, <laughs> gone, sure. um, people can create their own TV news channels you know, and, and send it out over the, the airwaves. Um, and, and so I think in many ways, that's a good thing because there are some voices that weren't (laughs) being heard. Exactly. (laughs) Like you, you benefited from that and it was probably long overdue, but it had to be, it was technologically driven. So, Mm. so I think that's, that's part of it. At the same time, What's happened is everybody has a voice now and a lot of them are angry and a lot of them are mean and a lot of them are ill-informed. And then what else is complicating um, for people is that a lot of them carry the same official titles as people you typically expect to have correct, trusted information from. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the flaw in humanity. Um, For years, my parents' society believed in, followed to a T, and would never question lawyers, judges, doctors, police officers, teachers, you know, pharmacists, to name a few. Mm-hmm. And we learned over time that those people, like the rest of us, are just human.
0: Right.
2: So, some of them are going to lie, some of them are going to be pedophiles, some of them are going to steal, and it starts to slowly erode the credibility of those professions.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um you know, for me, and certainly obviously for the RCMP, one of the big ones here was the Robert Jacanski uh, killing at, at YVR. And, and RCMP said they spoke to him for, I think they said over a couple of minutes, and somebody with a phone recorded the whole thing. And I think within about 30 seconds, they were tasering him. Um, and so when you've had those instances, that starts to erode. Credibility and people start to question everything. My, I won't say a family member sends me uh, videos of doctors who are vaccine disbelievers and data disbelievers and have a whole, you know, believe that you become magnetized from the vaccine and that little girls are having these horrible outcomes because they've been vaccinated. And and but it's a doctor. Look, it's a doctor. And, I, and I, I really think that's part of what our problem is, is that there are people who to be, are to be trusted and there are people who aren't. And it's really hard for some people to tell them apart. Yeah. Because titles mask that. Degrees can mask that. And yeah. I think for all of us, it's this ridiculously confusing time and i think it's all interwoven and i i feel like i've wandered through here sorry i'm
1: no no you know
2: wandering away but i but i i think it speaks to what's happening because we're tired of being at home so we're angry um you know we we had a a a generation or two behind me is the first generation who won't exceed their parents wealth Mm. for the first time in history. And that's been a huge shocker for people. And that erodes the big dream of I'm going to be more successful than my parents. I'm going to have this nice house. And So there's all of that playing into where we're at combined with if you just look like one of the Kardashians or the Jenner girls, you'll be a billionaire. If you can just sing like Bieber, you'll be a billionaire. Look how fabulous their lives are. So you get this really weird dichotomy of, yeah, I want to be that rich and they got to be that rich and I deserve that. I'm not going to make more than my parents and housing's gone up. And so I'm stuck in this sh- shitty life. Sorry if you have to beat that. <laughs> and now I've been stuck at home for two years and I got to wear a mask everywhere and I'm angry and F you.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
2: so, you just, you can kind of, if you, if you're not viewing it calmly or with some scope, it's, it's easy to see how this is happening. And I, just wish I had the response or the answers. I wish I had the answers to all of your questions. And I, and I feel
1: like it almost don't. has, it almost has like an adolescence feel like in terms of what you're describing. Like I'm thinking of this idea when you're a teenager and you know, you don't really hate your parents, but there is that idea of like, ah, oh, my parents are dumb. And if I, if I was them, I'd be doing things completely differently. And then you get, to a certain point in either late teenagehood or adulthood, and you go, "Oh, my my parents are just people. Like they aren't infallible, or they aren't the <laughs> devil. They're good and bad. I mean, I'm talking for about most people, of course. Um, for sure, they're yeah. just they're just people, right? And they will make mistakes, and they will they're not right all the time. But wow, you know, they did for the most part have really good intentions. And what you're describing, it's almost like this intellectual adolescence where it's like some of it is not rooted in necessarily malice and some of it i can empathize with but then at the same time it's just immature right (laughs) i was
2: was just that's the word that was in my head yeah Yeah. lack of maturity and and so i think society as a whole is kind of lacking maturity so people are having temper tantrums grown-ups are having temper tantrums and um yeah and and we're watching it play out and i like I said, within my own family, younger than me and older than me, we have some disbelief in vaccines Hmm. in in my own family. And I, I, yeah. So I know what's happening to everybody. You know, it it isn't, it isn't an, I'm not isolated. Um, The members of my family who don't believe what I believe aren't isolated. You know, I think we're seeing it filter through all sorts of families. And I think that's what's hard back to Two sides, and mm-hmm. and you using the word minority, and and I and I think for some of us we'd like to think they're in the minority, but this has certainly been eye opening. Yeah. Um, you know the, the the vaccine denying and the the freedom convoy um, they are they are here and they are among us, and I don't know how much of a minority. They really are, and I—I I think just being angry at them, or shutting them out, or trying to continue to tell them they're wrong, isn't the answer. Um, mm-hmm. We need to—we need to maintain that communication um, and and work on finding a way to cohabitate. Um, I'm going to sound like the, the doctor of gloom here, but, you know, because I, I otherwise I just...
1: I was going to say, in a minute or less, send us out on a happy note. We've talked a lot okay. about what's wrong in the world. Oof. Give me some hope here, Jill.
2: Well, I think there is hope. You know, I, I, I'm somebody um, who worked in the media for a long time, and I love... I love my Instagram now. I don't even hate Twitter. I love Twitter. I love getting on there and and on Instagram. You know, I've chosen not to follow a lot of news organizations, mm-hmm. so I'm choosing. I follow people who make slime for a living, that crafty <laughs> stuff, um, who redecorate their houses, who who bake, who just and I'm finding all these really neat people doing these really uplifting things. Now, sadly, each one of them will post something about some hater troll. Who's told them they're stupid or ugly or how could they? And I'm like, oh my gosh! And I often message them and say, don't listen, drown them out. And so I, I think we all need to choose what we consume. I think there's room for news. I think there's a need for journalism to support and literally save democracy. So I would encourage you to, you know, find a news organization you believe in and and mm. and continue to stay tuned and and watch. Um, but also. Be judicious in what you allow into your own space, whether into your own home, into your own life, into your own brain, um, because I think that's really important and valuable for our
1: own individual well-being. Absolutely. Jill, I love that message. I have to say you are absolutely one of my favorites. You did help me get to that next level. You put me on the radar for a a lot of folks. And and I will always be grateful for that. I'll always be grateful for our chats together. Uh, The first episode of the podcast, certainly this episode, I enjoyed it so much. I certainly hope the listeners and viewers did as well. Uh, So I just want to thank you for that. I hope you and your family are keeping well during this crazy time. And I just wanted to thank you for your time. So thank you so much. My
2: pleasure, Mo. Always nice to chat with you. <laughs> we'll have to do it again. Okay.
1: <laughs> Folks, a BC media icon. She's really done it all. And with kindness to boot, she is Jill Crop, And I am Mo Amir telling you that in a city where you can be anything, be colorful. Peace. <laughs>